The world of agriculture technology is vast and constantly evolving, with new innovations and companies emerging at a rapid pace. At AgTech Media Group, we understand the importance of staying updated and connected in this dynamic industry, and that's why we're thrilled to announce the launch of our new AgTech Company Directory, a comprehensive and user-friendly resource designed to help you navigate the complex landscape of AgTech innovators. More than just a list, it's a curated collection of companies leading the charge in transforming the AgTech sector from startups pioneering new farming methods to established companies adopting cutting-edge technologies. Our directory spans a wide range of leaders dedicated to advancing agriculture through technology. Whether you're a farmer looking for the latest in crop monitoring tools and investors seeking promising ag tech startups or a researcher interested in sustainable farming practices, ag tech directory is designed to cater to your specific needs. You can filter by sector, technology, size, or location to find exactly what you're looking for. To learn more and to claim your company listing, visit agtechcompanies.com. If you are starting a vertical farm and don't know where to begin or which technology would suit your needs, then reach out to the experts at Cultivated. As indoor farm brokers, they help connect you to the right technology and ensure your project is successful. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Visit cultivated.com to learn more. And that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com or click the link in the show notes. If you take, for example, traditional farming, you can grow around 15 heads of lettuce per square meter because you lose a lot of space to walk around. Then you move into in the same area. So that's, that's the betterness of the mankind truly was, was something I'm searching. That time ISS was slowly starting to work on growing plants in space. So they, there was also a potential there, you know, because like for us, when we started, so we got this place in Docklands near the harbor because we really got a nice, it has a significant potential. So for me, getting up in the morning and work seven days a week is tunnel supplies in US. Creators' this platform is really for people who's in this sector. So I'm currently using an NFT system or nutrient film techniques, just a normal channel systems that are very familiar in the hydroponic systems I'm using doing. Welcome to the Vertical Farming Podcast, weekly conversations with fascinating CEOs, founders, and ad tech visionaries. Join us every week as we dive deep into the world of vertical farming with your host, Harry Duran. Vertical Farming Podcast Season 6, welcome back to all my regular listeners and anyone who's found the show over the years or over the past months or even recently and has just maybe listened to one or two. Welcome back. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to listen to these episodes. I've been learning so much since I started the show, and I know based on the feedback that I've gotten that you have as well. So I really appreciate you being a regular listener. If this is your first time listening and you just found this show because of a recommendation, then make sure to thank your friend on my behalf. This is the one where we interview fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world, and I'm your host, Harry Duran. In case you missed last week's episode, I spoke with Magdalena Sowarska. She's the co-founder and CEO of Nangatech. It's a company that's using nanogas technology to boost the productivity of farming. From her hometown of Warsaw, Poland, we had a great discussion about her background in psychology, the numerous benefits that nanogas and nanobubble technology has for the ag tech industry. And as such, it was a very helpful and enlightening conversation for myself and for my listeners. Make sure you check that out. This week, we head down under and speak with Nadun Hanayaka. He's the founder and CEO at Gaia Project Australia. It's a company whose goal it is to produce sustainable food and electricity to every human on this planet 
That's definitely an ambitious goal. And if anyone's going to make it happen after this conversation with Nadun, I figure he's well poised to do that. He has over 20 years of experience in engineering and technology and is well versed in the global tech arena. We discussed the current offerings of Gaia Project Australia, their recent partnership with NASA, and the ways in which Nadun is shining a light on hydroponics and vertical farming. Very enjoyable. I never know what to expect with these conversations, and I'm never disappointed. It's fascinating to see where they're headed. I always like to ask folks to leave a rating or review on this podcast, and I'd like to be completely open and let you know that I received my first one-star review. So I don't want to call out the person who read it, but I do take all of those to heart. It just feels like there's a tone in these conversations that uh, he or she was not vibing with. And by all means, I understand that I'm not for everyone. And at some point I may inject some of my own personality here or my personal preferences. That's not intentional, but that's something that just comes up in the course of these conversations that I have with these amazing leaders of these companies. So again, I appreciate this listener from all indications. They've been a long time listener and for all your listenership up until that point, I truly appreciate you and thank you for listening and providing that feedback. That's not going to deter me from continuing to ask for you, the regular listeners, the folks who keep on coming back, who are getting value from this show, to leave me a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. Okay, before we jump into this uninterrupted conversation with Nadun, here are a few words from the folks that support this show. This episode is brought to you by Indoor AgCon 2023. I'm so happy to have been working with the team last year. Indoor AgCon 2022 was my very first indoor farming conference. So it was really eye-opening for me. So I'll always be grateful to the team there for rolling out the carpet for me. <laughs> and I uh, really had a good time meeting a lot of past guests and excited to join them again this year. Entering its 10th year in a row, it's the largest trade show and conference for vertical farming and CEA. And it's returning to Caesars Forum Conference Center in Las Vegas on February 27th and 28th of 2023. Once again, they'll be co-located with the National Growers Association show as well, which is a really good fit for them. The conference keeps growing, and this year it's doubled in size. The expo floor now has more than 170 booths filled with new product resources and solutions to explore. You'll hear from experts, including CEOs, growers, investors, and others in the field during this full-scale educational conference. As always, you'll be able to connect with peers, grocers, and other potential new business partners at their great networking events. I haven't even gotten to the best part. The team at Indoor AgCon has given listeners of this show 20% off their full access conference pass. All you have to do is use promo code VFP, as in Vertical Farming Podcast, and sign up at indoor.ag. See you there. Regular listeners to the show will know that we are also fans of the work being done by the iGrow News team. The team at iGrow has been kind enough to provide a free month of their paid subscription to the Indoor Vertical Farming newsletter. And those will be available to the first three listeners that send in a review. So ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP, the first three reviews that come in. Once it's sent, send an email to harry at verticalfarmingpodcast.com along with your preferred email. And we'll be sure to get that set up for you. So Nadun Hanaika, CEO at Gaia Project Australia. Thank you so much for being patient with me today and joining me on the Vertical Farming Podcast. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. It's great to chat to you, Harry. So I want to always let people know that taking imperfect action is always great and nothing ever goes the way you want it to. So Nadine was on the session today and I wasn't. So, <laughs> And it's just, I think sometimes as podcasters, because I have a, my first show I started in 2014 called Podcast Junkies and I interview other podcasters. 
And so I've been doing that for eight years, 300 plus episodes. And I've, so I've seen everything that can happen since <laughs> it doesn't surprise me before. And sometimes I'm the cause of it too. So I have to, but it, you know, real life sometimes takes over sometimes. And I think it's just a reminder sometimes that we all try to project this like perfect image online that everything we've got it under control, but it's like the ducks on the water, right? Underneath their feet are like flapping really, really fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is true. That is true. I have seen that only only quite recently. I was like, oh, they're so peaceful in the water. But no, it's not when you go under. <laughs> so, so where's, for the benefit of the listener, where's home for you? It is in Melbourne, Australia. Okay. How long have you been there? I've been there since 2007. So it's okay. been a while now. So okay. yeah, I migrated from the next door neighbor from New Zealand. So it's uh, was also a good journey. And I okay. love here. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the best cities I've been, never been in. So yeah. yeah gonna call it home from now on what's uh one of the least appreciated things about melbourne that most people don't know about well i would say it is the weather it is quite unpredictable you know we start nice and sunny then two hours later it's winter clothing back on so yeah <laughs> yeah very cool and so where did uh, you study university so i did my studies my school and university in new zealand so i studied okay. in our university of auckland okay yeah. i finished my bachelor's around mid 2000 i did i did six years in university so you know i started mm. with engineering then i swapped degrees took a year off so it was a whole roller coaster right but, uh, yeah <laughs> it was great where did your your passion for engineering come from it was uh, no right so it's not really a passion but I, I, i've been for me my whole family my parents my mom dad my uncles my sister's an engineer my brother's a doctor so our okay. family's always sisters trying to push everyone through to you know get to get to the best i'm truly happy about it but uh yeah i mean i did engineering for them but to realize it now i mean it's really coming handy you know after about 20 years of studying yeah. so yeah and so what was uh those early jobs like was it what you thought it would be when you graduated from uni <laughs> oh no so i mean to be honest so I, I even though i started with engineering after second year i quit i mean i just couldn't deal with it so i took some time off then i finished okay. my bachelor's in commerce and business majors and i okay. did network engineering as well. So I did work in engineering field, but more towards uh, IT or the IoT sector. And yeah. look, everything was great. I mean, job was job for me for till about for my whole 20s. And I yeah. think things kind of took turn after I turned 30. You know, that's when I kind of figure out looking to figure out your life. Not like some people, I'm, I'm, I think some people are lucky to know what they want to do early days. I wasn't one of them. So, yeah. <laughs> I think they think they do. And then when they realize, like when the real world kicks in and then you realize like we're, we have so many different things that light us up, so many different passions. And it's not, I don't think, and I'm Latino. So I understand like immigrant parents, like expecting a certain thing to happen for, <laughs> for their son. And it's only because they want the best for them. So that's definitely why, but you know, we, we start to have different likes and different passions. And I think things start to come awake for us as we try new things. Oh, no, 100%. I truly agree. I think always parents, what they do is it's with their best intentions. I'm truly thankful for what they did. I mean, all the goods. Yes, I mean, I was one of the roughest kids. We did it back in the day. <laughs> all I know. I think it's the past from now. <laughs> They're proud of you now, though, I'm sure. Hopefully. I mean, very, very hard to please our parents, you know. So, <laughs> it's, I'm it's sure true. you know as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's always like... You bring home the, the B plus and it's like, uh, could have tried a little harder. <laughs> could have done better, you know? 
Yeah, that's true. So with a name like a Gaia Project, obviously there's something aspirational there, some thought about maybe what was happening or what you were seeing happening on a global scale. So what was coming alive for you as you started to think about, you know, the creation of this new company? It is, I mean, my all started pretty much straight after I turned 30. So, I mean, I was happy with my corporate jobs, you know, it's, it was all good, but then I after I turned 30, I was like, you know what, I need to figure out a purpose in my life. So I did more traveling, read a lot of books. I think the fundamentals of my understanding from all of that is, uh, is life is can't, happiness is, is a byproduct of service in my mm. point of view. So I, I think it's just doing something to betterness of the mankind truly was, was something I'm searching and I want to do. And I think that's how Gaia came across. Gaia is another name for Earth. So it was yeah. like my company is built for Earth project is to make this place better for us and and also the animals. You know, they every everything yeah. around us, the nature, the biosphere, the whole thing. So yeah, and it, and it's it's truly wholehearted. That was the main reason this was built. And yeah, what were uh, who were you working with, or who was inspiring you, or kind of how, who did you have as a sounding board for some of these ideas early on? Early on, so I mean, for me to figure out what I really want to do because I want to make positive impacts. So, I mean, earlier days, like around 2015, 2016, I started looking into renewable energy because I truly had a passion. I'm like, look, there is a big solution that we can support and implement. So I look into Southeast Asia in renewable energy projects for commercial scale. And through that, I learned about waste to energy, which is called plasma gasification. I mean, I still don't know how this tech is not really commercialized still. Like, it's really great. Like, there's companies in Japan and India, they're really working closely with new tech. So, then I kind of stumbled upon this Netherlands company who's uh, using air bubbles to get uh, to filter plastic from the water without harming the fish. So that's that's like wow. so. My goal was to build this air bubble because, like in Southeast Asia, it's one of the biggest countries that pollute the ocean. You know, mm-hmm. plastics and then creating all these unnecessary problems. Yeah. So I was like, you know, what if you can capture this plastic, put into these waste to energy platforms, and then create energy from waste. But then, see, this is how I stumbled upon vertical farming. Then I was like, oh, you still have a byproduct of CO2. How do you mitigate CO2? Because this is the biggest greenhouse gas problem. Yes, of course. And yeah, so I think hydroponics came in. They were like, you know what? Plants uses a lot of CO2. So, I mean, that's a great place to offset the CO2 so people can eat and go back into the soil. Mm. And then, uh, yes, the purple lights in vertical farms was the one that really took me in. <laughs> I was like, wow, what is this, you know? Oh, this I'm looks really... like a nightclub. <laughs> 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 it does. And I can actually work on this place. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, You mentioned uh, hydroponics. Obviously, it's almost like the gateway into vertical farming. But were you no- then starting to notice other companies in the space? Other, Obviously, you, I'm sure you started to doing research. And so where, what type of rabbit holes were you going down? Yeah, so like, for example, Australia and, and New Zealand, we're not really big on hydroponics till like early 2020s. So, I mean, the inspiration kind of came from Aerofarms because they started their research in early early 2012-13. And, and I saw their yeah. test farms back in the days. So I was like, this, is, this mm. is crazy. How do people grow things upwards? It was straight up out of a comic book. So I was like, oh, you know what? <laughs> like, you know, when, when you're truly interested on something, for me, I really wanted yeah. to break it down to figure out how does this work? How, I mean... Because it was just amazing. I'm like, how can I be yeah, a part yeah. of this? That was the idea. And I looked yeah. into NASA. I mean, that time ISS was slowly starting to work on growing plants in space. So there, there was also a potential there, you know. So yeah. I, I thought, you know, this is something definitely worthwhile looking into. So slowly digged in. And uh, yeah, three, four years later, I'm here. So it's <laughs> a good journey so far. 
Yeah, I was looking at some of the projects you had been working on. So when you got started in 2017, focused on some plastic removal strategies as well, and then waste to energy, solar utility, and then sustainable farming. Were you sort of kind of thinking about what the company was going to be and what were some of the projects that were getting some traction for you? Yeah, it was. it's crazy because, I mean, I always thought renewable was my path. We're like, this is it, I'm going to stick to this. And then suddenly went to waste to energy. Then I'm like, oh, you know what, this is it, this is what I'm going to stick to. But it's, it's like, because I wasn't really set on, you know, this is the only road that I really want to be in. And that's why I kind of keep exploring what I want to do. For me, my life is quite simple. I'm single, I'm kind of middle-aged, but I really want to do what it yeah. for something meaningful for myself uh, that I think yeah. is beneficial. So... And I don't know, something about this hydroponic systems really got. And that's when I like, because how this whole system kind of came across was I'm kind of an amateur stargazer. So I got a couple of different telescopes at home, kind of from the old school oh, okay. ones to the new age ones. So nice. my channels are oscillating. And then how this came across was it's a telescopic kind of method that you used by the old telescopes. So this is how this whole story of our patent channel started. So, yeah. Wow. When did that passion start? Probably around late 2018, and I, cause I thought about like you know planting we've done for the last 800 years, you know from the dark ages, it's always yeah. been linear. Yeah. But we have improved so much on certain other things like controlling the light frequencies, how to deliver the nutrients directly into the root. But then why do we still need to keep preset fixed distance spacing? I mean it's all good. I and mean, when you have natural farming like australia you know when you have unlimited land and water that's fine but it's not the case in the future but then you look at farms like aero farms so if you're going upwards and if you 100 percent depending on you know artificial lighting cooling hvac that's a significant energy so every square centimeter matters so the idea is how to get the best out of it how to increase the density and that's why i thought you know why don't we make things why don't we grow up make our channels to grow with the plants rather than the other way around, make the nature fit for us. Why don't we fit the nature? So yeah, that's, that's mm. the fundamental subject. So. Exciting. So for folks who are not familiar with Gaia Project and its current iteration and what the current offerings are, how do you explain to people like what your the current offering stack looks like and then who is an ideal customer? Sure, sure. So how other systems work is, so it's, it's very, very simple and straightforward. So if we're currently using an NFD system or nutrient film techniques, just a normal channel systems that are very familiar in the hydroponic systems on leafy green. Okay. And other channels are very easily retrofitting. So it's a normal 50 by 100 similar channel. But the difference in our ones is it's a telescopic channel. So the patent, there's a three main components on our channels. That's the individual channel. There's a small and a bigger one that goes in and out. And then there's a top tray system that supports each plant. So if you take, for example, traditional farming, you can grow around 15 heads of lettuce per square meter because you lose a lot of space to walk around. Then you move into yeah. standard or traditional greenhouses that can push about 25 plants per square meter. I'm talking about mature lettuce heads, so that's about 200 millimeter yeah. head size. Then you go to advanced greenhouses, such as the ones in Netherlands, like Hori Plant, they have robotics and everything with moving gully systems. They can push around 35 plants per square meter. And our sister, can push over 50 plants per square meter. Now that's a huge jump. So we're moving from just a normal 25 or 35 to 50 plants per square meter. So that's doubling the output in the same area. So that's the difference. So we increase the density of the plants from the initial first, second week up until the final week of the growth. So the channels expand only as the plant needs. So that's where the difference is. 
So for us, the concentrating for the next few years is we have done just over three years of testing on our channel. So they are re pretty much market ready. So goal is to concentrate on selling our channels to the public within Australia for the next 12 months just to get further idea of how the large scale systems work. Like we already have a pre-sales customer who's a Queensland farmer who heard about our system. We had a chat and he was really keen on the system and I'm quite happy about yeah. it. Now, we do have another customer from South, South Africa who want to build a two and a half thousand square meter large scale farm. And we do have a lot of interest from large scale farmers now in Australia. So, so it's really great to see that feedback from people without even going into the market. So. And that's the one side. So that's called our Earth project side. So we always have the other component yeah. for NASA we're doing is for the space project. So there's, there's two arms we're constantly working on, which is amazing. Like, you know, something I didn't even dream of 20 years ago. That, <laughs> so. What's happened? So explain a little bit about what you're doing on, this, on the NASA side. Yeah, so NASA was just a random stumble upon story. So how, when I came up with the idea in 2019, so I'm sure, Harry, you know quite well about this sector. I mean, I did listen to a couple of very good podcasts of yours as well. So it's, it is big on both. And, you know, in the space, you do need this kind of solution. But when I came up with this idea to doubling the output, I tried to get funding or support, like joining a debaters, accelerator, but then people thought I was a bit crazy because I don't really have much of a background <laughs> on agriculture, right? I mean, yeah, who's this who guy? Who's this guy coming up and say, you know, you got a better solution for a $40 million industry. So... For two years, I couldn't get support or validation from anyone. So around 2021, I was like, okay, you know what? I got nothing to lose then, you know, just getting to the best brains in the world to have a look at the system. So fortunately at that time, yeah. NASA had a deep space food challenge where they basically applied for open for the whole world that you can supply your designs that you think that a system that can provide the highest output for the lowest amount of input. So I designed a new system mm. according to their very strict parameters, did animation for the system and sub just submitted it, thought, you know, why not? Let's see how this, how this flies out. Then, yeah, a few months yeah. later, I got a call back from them saying, hey, you know, you actually won the International Innovation Award. I was like, oh, wow, you know, this, this was completely unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It, it was. I was like, you know what, if I can get validation from anyone i think the best of the brain say you know this has potential i was like oh wow finally there's some there's a break you know and uh, yeah so the the whole announcement went on nasa tv and it was presented by the astronaut scott kelly he was one of the first people oh who God. did the letters on the iss and then had the taste so he's like oh look we <laughs> truly love your system and what you guys are doing so now wow. we're building a prototype for them for for end of this year we're building it in melbourne so a similar platform we're building for them, it's for a three-year mission that can support four astronauts on a long-duration flights. So we, we're currently testing them on uh, 0.98G. Down in about another two okay. years, we'll go microgravity. So the system is two cubic meters. We can supply around 600 to 800 grams of leafy greens uh, on the spaceship. So that's the idea of the system we prototype we're building. Yes, and, and yeah, so our main components are we have we have the channels are made from HDPE, so it's recyclable, and then we have zero waste because of the roots and the pots coming out of them. Roots goes back to a mycelium network to grow mushrooms, so it's a very close wow. system. Yeah, so it's quite interesting doing that every day. I do love coming to work <laughs> well, nowadays. <laughs> yeah, a couple of questions. Are they going to let you be the repair guy and fly out to space in case something's I'm broken? I'm really hoping so. <laughs> One of the guys who waiting till Elon just land his first rocket in Mars. I'm like, yes, please sign me in. <laughs> I'll be your horticulturalist. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the most long distance repair guy <laughs> visit. <Yeah>. In the... <laughs> I'm here to fix the yes, hydroponics. Six, you know, six months trip one way. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. What were some of the challenges that were you were encountering when you're trying to to create a system to be supported in that environment, as opposed to what you would traditionally have to do here on the ground? Parameters-wise, it's all at the moment is very same. Like so, we because our initial stages for the next even for the next stage for the next twelve months as well for our phase three is always trying on one G. We're not gonna go below that because once our initial setup of the expansion is done, because currently ISS. I mean, it's not, it's, it's about 80 a project now, and it's moving to Artemis program as well. They've been testing these things called pillows or pillow beds that they have the nutrients and everything comes in and the pillow beds expand as the plant expands. Now, these systems are already there. So our goal is to supplement our channel systems with these pillows to further increase. So that's a pathway. Because it's very hard for NFT channels to run on zero G. We can, we might have maybe possibilities of running on Mars because they have about a 0.38 G. But with lunar surfaces where you have zero G, it's quite impossible to have water flowing through because it will be everywhere. So that's why you kind of have to have a locked in system. End of the day for us, mm. NASA has always been this, this really nice price we want. You know, I mean, I love the development of that. And end of the day, look, I think it's, like you learn from the mistake we made from Earth and we're like, let's not, we go to another planet, yeah. let's do this right this time, you know, and then that's a far away goal. But I think the urgency for me is to deploy this around the, here. I mean, as you know, Harry, hydroponics is not a fix for everything of the food sector. You know, we can fix about 15 yeah. to 20% yeah. of the food sector maximum. So, I mean, as if you can fix 20%, you know, you only have 80% to fix. So, you know, it's a problem, it's lesser. Yeah, 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 true. And so... I'm curious when you think about uh, the opportunity that you have to work with NASA and how that's making, it's almost from a visibility perspective to really shining a light on hydroponics and vertical farming, especially when you get that success. Where do you test these environments here? On so the at the moment, we're kind of building the systems on our end. So one of the complex stages we okay. need to bypass now is, so the restrictions we have is one of the key ones that is really struggling for us on our end is, is, is a system size. So for us to deliver, see, initially it's always easy to design and draw this and animate it and then send it to NASA and get the tick off right now. They said, all right, boys, we like your system. Yeah. Now you got to build it. You're like, okay, now, now this is it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not that hard. It's, the hard it's part. just because it's a very small area, we got two cubic meters to build this entire system. And we're growing 120 plus plants on this two cubic meter system. And it's right. that includes tags, nutrition, nurseries, microgreen systems, a whole lot had to be squashed into this one small area, which is something we're currently doing. We got the channels right now. Now we just need to build the rest of the electronics on the system. And yeah, so what's I'm quite confident we're going to achieve this in the next three months. And then because we have our assessment in December. Okay. And it will be open to public afterwards in Melbourne as well, so people can see, you know, what might be in the space in the future. So, and yeah, and then after end of next year, after we pass phase three, we're trying to set other systems on microgravity. Most probably try companies like Axiom okay. or someone to take our channels up to the space and then test drive them. But yeah, it's because the thing for mm. us is, as you know, we're a startup, so you know, budget is always tight. So we're like, okay, let's let's try to put the money in something that may be profitable so we can get some revenue rather than working on space that that's yeah. just, it's pretty hard you know, keep to, <laughs> to get funding for us so yeah 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 is this your first time as a ceo 
I have, so I've been uh, head of operations on companies on most of the C-level, but okay. uh, I did have two other startups previously. Yeah. I mean, one of them was my solar. Okay. The one before that was a recruiting company yeah. back in the, I think about 15 years ago I started. I didn't really have the soul <laughs> for it. So, yeah. So this is a whole new gig now, but managing people was something I've done for about over 10 years. So, and I kind of really understand okay. the environment, how to be a nice person then, you know. People, yeah, that's usually CEO. It is, it is. I think once you work with a lot of other people, you're like, you know, what's the best of that person, and then learn from that and make sure you you be that for them for your staff. Did you have relationships with uh, mentors or anyone who helped guide you along the way or provide advice in your career? In my career, I mean, I was lucky, I mean, I was fortunate to work with big industry companies, like I was with ASA and. And then I was with Senacom. That's a company who optioned me for like, I mean, I, I work closely with Apple. We built one of the first uh, third-party service centers with Apple and worked with Cisco, mm-hmm. Microsoft. So there's a lot of, lot of corporate environments that I got really used to, especially dealing with garments and everything. And when you get exposed to all these different environments and people, you kind of get the vibe on how their team works and what people like and they don't. I think I always look at that and then get that's why i always love meetings in person because you get the feel rather than just a voice and then yeah learn through that i'm hoping um my guys probably is when they listen to this you know if i have if i do anything bad <laughs> do, do let you know you know so. <laughs> what were you thinking about you know when you first get started like this and you know, there's so many different roles to fill and so many different positions and you're trying to think about what how to build a team for the vision that you have and i and maybe for you, it's even more challenging because you've pivoted a couple of times. So, you know, how did you think about team growth in those early days? Yeah, I think early days was the hardest. I mean, even now, I mean, I'm still the CEO. I'm the senior architect, the designer, the engineer, and also the cleaner yeah. on the weekend. So, I mean, I wear all the hats <laughs> still till today. So it hasn't yeah. changed much. Yes. But uh, I think earlier days, one of the greatest lessons I learned was uh, was being efficient in your business. Like for me, I didn't have any CAD experience. I didn't know any design drawings like AutoCAD, Autodesk, but most of my systems yeah. had to be built on this platform to even to run a simulation. So I think early 2019, 2018, I kind of looked into this and I had people hired from like platforms such as Fiverr, you know, just get them hourly based and they get them the designs. I think six yeah, months yeah, into yeah. this project, I had a monthly bill about just close to $3,000. I was like, this is not working out. So, so. <laughs> I took about, I think, like okay. three to four months off. I did night school and I learned CAD. Now I pretty much do all the wow. initial design. Okay. So we still have about four big engineering companies we pass our designs to. But the good thing now is like I can do the initial skeleton test drive. You know, we got a massive 3D print farm that we have. So we can test mm, design, okay. test within 24 to 48 hours and see how they work and do the reiterations. And once it's all finalized online, yeah. I can send to engineering to get their proper approval from the people who have actual degrees and masters on that field. But it does save a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, who actually went to school for this. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. And then, so where, how do you think about where the company is going now and where you're going to see um, the challenges or the opportunities for growing the team? I think we truly have a great potential because as it is, Harry, like for us, what we created is, what we're changing is a bedrock of hydroponics. Yes, there are hydroponics. You do have a lot of like deep water culture, NFT. There, there are a lot of different methods of growing. But then for us, if we can change 
density of a plant growing system significantly such as ours. I'm not saying we are the only one. Like, so let's say, for example, AM Hydro, they are one of the biggest channel suppliers in US. Their channels, they can push the same mm -hmm. amounts, but they have two different channels that they use. So they grow from the nursery, then to the secondary system. Then once they grow, they move out. Now, all of these systems, then you have to have labor, then we have cross-contamination. So there, there are a lot of things. And then there are companies such as Hori Plan in Netherlands, one of the largest uh, leafy green suppliers. They use robotics. One yeah. of their robots costs about two point, uh, yeah, 260,000 euros for a robot. Like, so there are other options to grow these volumes, but the thing is we are the simplest, most cheapest solution out. And, and that's why I think there's such, such a good potential for us. So. And then creating yeah. channels that's exactly similar to what's currently in the market. The main goal for us is retrofitting because let's say someone has a farm and then has, has a channel systems like running NFT already. They can keep the rest of the infrastructure in their tanks, pumps, everything is the same. They just need to change the channels and then how the expansion okay. system works, which is a very simple solution. So basically you create less waste and then also a lot of less sunk cost for the people who want to invest and then in return you literally get double the yield so double the yield means double the revenue and then yeah. your operation cost hasn't gone up so and it's most efficient for vertical farms because for vertical farms is always the electricity for the leds is about 60 percent of your energy and i think there's i think apart from calera there's not many people who does actual leafy greens or lettuce heads because they know the time in between to grow and the number of plants you can grow for the profitability is quite less and that's where we come in we're giving that window now like hey you know now in vertical farms you can actually do the same traditional farm leafy grain without using any revenue so that creates fundamental pathways for us to move forward so initially we want to go through testing the channels in the market do some retrofitting learn some turnkey solutions and then start building our own hardware as well in regard to sensors so it is a long journey, but Makes sense. quite interesting yeah. so far. Yeah. And so where do you see the markets opening up for Gaia and are they different than what your original plans were? Yes. So for me, Harry, like my original... I mean, you've you got space <laughs> yeah. covered. So. Space is so far going well. So that's great. But for, yeah, like my original plan, like two years ago, was truly to build a full turnkey supply. So go from everything from the channels to the HVAC to the automation, the whole lot. What I have learned is it's like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's someone already invented certain components who's really great at it, you know, like, and then what, if you have something great, why don't we just collaborate with each other companies and then create a single solution? Because we don't need everybody else to research the same thing on different places. It's, it's unnecessary. Like there are companies I know have the best Good LEDs point, yeah. and, and we kind of testing them. And there are companies that I know who has great HVAC systems. Perfect. For our robotics, because our channels are very unique, we have built our own robotics. So Good thing for us is we got a lot of help from this uh, Latrobe University in Melbourne. So we have the robotics team working closely with us because we had to build two different robotic systems for NASA and then one for the Earth systems as well. So we're working with them. And also we got a startup in actually Netherlands again who created this amazing unit, a small carbon capture unit that's the size of a small refrigerator that captures CO2 from the air and then concentrate it and push it into greenhouses and vertical farms. I mean, how amazing is that? So you don't have to, oh, wow. you don't, yeah, it's, that's and, awesome. and so that. so I, was like, <laughs> I would like to purchase your first equipment. So they're doing the release in next year, March. I'm like, why not? Because ideally my goal is to create a solution, but does not create more problem. You know, it's like, it's, that's the idea of efficiency in the future, you know, just make something, but make sure that it doesn't create problems on other. So yeah, the goal for us is just 
hopefully working with other companies on the track and create some partnerships and then delivering these solutions. How has your experience been connecting? Obviously, it sounds positive from those interactions, but have you started to connect with other peers in the space in, in terms of what's happening either in Australia or New Zealand and, and elsewhere, maybe through conferences as well? Yeah, but the thing with Harry is like we haven't really had much time on marketing or connection with people because I'm, I know that even my advice is say I'm very into my engineering narrow mindset rather than marketing. Because for me, I still believe the thing called the word, you know, if I sell something, I want to make sure this it's true. So I've been pushing this saying my system works and and I know it works. So for me, it's my engineering need to be complete, but everyone else pushing me saying, hey, you have to work on the marketing (laughs) side. And and it's very true. But the the crazy thing for us is we do get a lot of positive feedback from customers that we hasn't even started selling. So that kind of gives us the idea, like, you know, the solution itself is great. We haven't truly decided which ones people to speak with, like, for example, like there are a couple of companies, small companies in Australia that has taken certain sectors. For example, there's Modular Farms, they're based in Brisbane. They have okay. they have this amazing custom-built container farming solution. And uh, we want to speak with them down the track. So and I know these people as well because we have a common mutual, mutual person that we know who used to be my teacher. So I took course in uh, hydroponics and greenhouse and crop cultivation because coming from engineering okay. I thought I need, I need some good understanding about this how this <laughs> works and my teacher is yeah. uh, Graham Smith he's an amazing guy he done farming from Dutch farms to Netherlands to UAE to Australia and Singapore so he's one of our advisors and also equity partners so okay. yeah so connecting with these people like hey how can we supply our assistance retrofitting to yours and then you know we can create a new solution I mean that's the idea but as you mentioned Ari something it is in my mind i'm truly going to look into this in the next coming months trying to contact with people that's what i thought i mean your podcast is great because you do speak with very interesting type of people i think one of them was ali i forgot his surname who ali daniali yeah daniali yeah who had this service about farm as a service and i I always had it in my mind and i was like what a great episode you had you know it's because you always, you want to break the system of depending on large scale suppliers, you know, the creating yeah. urban solutions such as ours, like that's the, one of the reasons we're building one of the vertical farms in the heart of the city. We're like, you know what, these farms can be built anywhere and they don't yeah. have to be dependent on this transportation, this, this whole lot of things. But then at the end of the day, you have these other people, how do you connect the customers and then bang, the Harry Shaw got the solution for that. So I was like, you know, I'm going to speak with Ali down the track, right? yeah. how we can collaborate. So, yeah. Well, it's so funny because you mentioned that modular farms and container, and I immediately thought of Ali because we've been talking and we've had some follow-up conversations as well. And it just I'm really excited about his model. I'm trying to see if there's ways that I can support him through the connections I've made on the show. And because I, I mean, the same idea, the farming as a service, I'm like, the light bulb went off and I was like, this is exactly you know what you need. You need that marketplace. And with every marketplace, you know, you've got the buyers and the sellers. So there's the chicken and egg, you know, and which one do you focus on? And, and he's you know, decided to tackle that challenge and he's having some success. So I think anything we can do as an industry to kind of join forces and just make introductions and connections, I think is always going to be a good thing. Oh, no, I truly agree. Because like for us, when we started, so we got this place in Docklands near the hub because we really got a nice place to build our first like commercial farm for customers to sell. And people always knock on the door like, what are you guys doing? 
because we're building all this crazy stuff. It's not really going to be the club. A time machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm building a vertical farm. Like, so you guys going to sell lettuce? We're like, yeah. And they're like, oh, just please let us know. We want to buy it. And oh, wow. that's how I came across Ali's, like, your episode with that. I'm like, oh, my God, this does make a lot of sense, you know, because these customers need a platform to buy it. And what if they just, like, yeah. click on the thing and, oh, wow, there's a farm in our next door apartment. We didn't know that, you know. So, yeah. That's very, very good. So when you think about the why, like I, you've mentioned a couple of uh, reasons, you know, when you were getting started. Now, looking at where you're at, seeing the potential of the change this can have in the world and seeing, you know, your Gaia's place in this and what you've been able to do so far, has that changed at all? Like, you know, why you get up every morning, why you work the long days and why this is important for you? No, I think that is still the same. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I have chosen a path that I think there's a potential for it to be something really great yeah. that can truly change or help the mankind. You know, for me, as I said, again, Harry is just like, you know, I want to make sure the world is a better place because I was here. I think that was That's something great. I strive for. And, and I think this has a significant potential. So for me, getting up in the morning and work seven days a week is... I never thought I could do it. I mean, yeah. I used to complain working 30 hours. I was like, oh, this is hard. I couldn't do this yeah. anymore. Because no, it wasn't yours. Yeah, like, it wasn't yours. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, it is. And so, like, as much as you try to get as much work done in the week, how do you find time to relax? And what do you do that, you know, to just stay sane or just keep your mental health in check? Well, my couple of my guys at my work asked me that, too. I thought you were not going to ask me that question. But... <laughs> Because we care, then we well. care about you. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I think my guys do too. I, I, the thing is, I don't really get tired. Like, I can't really do anything else rather now than just this. But the good thing is, like, I, I mean, I just celebrated my 40th okay. six months ago, and we were overseas when diving just oh, you know, around Asia beautiful. and the Thailand, and then most the amazing cleanest seas oh, I've man. ever seen. Because of COVID, I think it took all the travelers and tourism yeah. out and, and it just replaced the nature. And then, and, I, and I've been out in the sea so many times, but I've never seen the water and the fishes as clear as it was last yeah. time. So I think for me, I think the goal is at least every six to eight months, take a day, take a week yeah. off just to refresh their mind, you know, reset the system. Yeah, the reset's important, I think. If you Otherwise, you get burned out, right? And then you start to lose, lose yeah. some of that, uh, that energy and that, that enthusiasm. I think it's true because, I mean, I tried to figure out what was the ideal amount of hours that to work. And I found out around 8 to 10 is, is the best. Anything more than that, you become counterproductive. Yeah, and for me, I always have like Saturday, Sundays, I only work about six hours a day. So it kind of breaks. Only, only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah kind, of, kind of short hours. Yeah. So. What's a tough question you've had to ask yourself recently? Tough question is, I mean, I would say always being is just like, Am I doing the right thing? It's the right decision because as a startup CEO, I mean, I have a lot of different pathways, my advisors, team, and a lot of people that I speak with, you know, tell me to take, you know, they're like, you know, stop doing this head to marketing or, or do capital raising to further R&D or system. So, but then the end of the end decision is made by me. So I'm like, have I made the right decision? So it's, it's always, that question always there, but yeah. I think I always look back on my, how I performed, how I did. And, you know, the journey that you always look back at, that's how you connect the dots for me. I'm like, you know what? So far, I haven't been wrong. But end of the day, sometimes you had to make mistakes. Yeah. You know? Without them, you can't really learn. I mean, there are certain mistakes I made even in the last six to 12 months that I'm like, you know what? I actually learned something mm-hmm. from it. Like we had a VC company pushed so much money into us. I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not interested. I wasn't interested. I was like, 
I, I'm, so I'm not, I really don't need that much money yet. You yeah. know, I mean, maybe down the track I might, yeah. but then when I needed the money, they're like, oh, sorry, our poor ran uh, out. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stuff like that. Just, uh, yeah, I mean, just learn from your business and then you get better. That's hopefully the idea. Yeah, I think with this industry, it's been fascinating to watch is there's a lot of opportunities opening up and some of it is a strike while the iron is hot. And to your point, and from the example you just gave, you know, is it possible, you know, to think that this may not always be such enthusiasm or, you know, people are looking to invest money in projects and then if they don't can invest it with yours, they'll quickly find another one. So I think it's really seeing where there's an opportunity to leverage that. And then because you, if you know in your heart, you're going to put that money to the best use possible, then it's like just how do can you build some of that runway for yourself to give yourself some breathing room? It is. That's so true. I think one of the hardest things we found, even till now, is because we're a hardware-based company and mostly some platforms are in a startup world. I think one of the things I've seen in the last five or six years is they, they put the blanket on startup as same. It's really not like it. I'm not saying application development is less costly than a hardware, but when you develop a hardware, like for us, engineering costs about $50,000, $60,000 per part. Then our tooling costs about another $30,000, $40,000. That's not even going to manufacturing. And that's a test drive sample. And when you have a startup with a valuation, let's say below $5 million, or, you know, $3, $4 million, which is what you get on a startup. And then to raise a million dollars, you have to lose about 25% of your equity yeah. minimum, yeah. right? And to do that at a pre-series level, that's you're not really digging a secure path for yourself in the future. So you have to always balance that out as well. I mean, that's why I kind of take on all these other pathways, just raise money as only as I need it yeah. and then run through grants and price money. We do get good thing for us is we apply for stuff and then we kind of win most of the That's good. <laughs> that's a few thousand dollars for us around the next few months. You know, until we have something solid to show people so we can raise the valuation and then actually get the money. So it's always that cat and mouse game. Yeah. The startups have to play. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you've changed your mind about recently? Changed my mind. I mean, my book changed once every two to three weeks, but, but not on the big decisions. But the decisions I normally make and I stick with it. Yeah. But smaller ones I always change. Like, because everything we built is just literally just built one day and then the test the next day kind of yeah. scenario. So currently, what we're planning on, like one of the things I'm not having changed yet, but planning on thinking is can we push forward some other project? rather than just going on building, because NASA we have to do, but then some of the display farms, we're thinking whether we do need to do this urgently because we have paid customers who want to build other projects. Why are we delaying that? So yeah. these things, we're going to have a few meetings down the track and just make some decisions because you have to, as you said before, Harry, you to, when the iron is yeah. hot. So it's always a gamble that you have to make. So make some decisions down the track. Well, I'm definitely glad your team is pushing you out of your comfort zone. I don't know if you've done any other podcast interviews, but it's good to tell the story sometimes. And I think similar to your example of like going for the swim in the ocean, you know, every six months, even like talking about your journey, because sometimes it's hard to look at the progress you've made until you've stopped and then you look back and you see all that you've accomplished. And I think, you know, having these conversations where you can share these stories, I think is really important. No, that is true. I think a break, a mental health day is quite yeah. important. But saying that area, I think I should just mention you this. So when I was on that holiday, right, I do remember when I was at PP Island and I was just sitting down with a beer in my hand watching the sunset. Well, the one thing that came to my mind was I should be in my office doing some cat work. And I was like, this is, this is not right. So yeah, sometimes your brain is just stuck yeah. in one place though, because end of the day, I know startup, it's, it's a hard leg for the first yeah, time. Yeah. It's, it's always been. And then for us, we are nearly on the end now. So it just need to, you know, 
tighten your gloves and just go ahead. That's it. Yeah. So when you think about, you know, it's hard to obviously plan sometimes, you know, people try to make these big five-year, 10-year plans, but maybe, you know, one year, three years, as you think about the roadmap, as you think about what you want to get accomplished between now and then, what are some of the things you're looking forward to? Uh, truly looking forward for 2023 because we once we have a so the two things we're finishing end of the year is NASA prototype which will be in display for customers end of the year and the second one is we're building the first fully automated farm in Victoria so Melbourne don't have vertical farm yet so we're mm. building the first one in Docklands as a startup just with very small amount of cash but it's, it's a big farm we plan to build a 2018 square meter ground space farm that pushing six and a half tons of leafy greens so yes it's a huge output for a small footprint the idea of building this is we as I said, I mean, we, we can't have a lot of interest from people that coming in to know about the product, but for us, we can only sell as much as we can by a design or a picture or a picture. Yeah. But if people can come and view the system yeah. in action and how this thing works, you know, it is very easy for people to be like, you know what, this thing works. We can really use it in our systems so or retrofitting or whichever the options they want to use. So hopefully around the next three to four months, around Jan, Feb, we'll have the commercial farm finished as well. Then we have to build a Queensland farm, which we're all going to be traveling down and get some, get the gloves and shovels on <laughs> and then build this farm. And yeah, like, so really looking forward for it because after that, we plan to do three to four more projects within okay. Australia before we go, like, for example, US and EU in 2024, that's our goal. Okay. So hopefully we can secure some other market deals so we can explore that side of the world as well. Because uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it just initial start is the time when you get some word out from the people and get some experience from the feedback from the people. And I think the catches up of the system will be much more easier. And then you've got the moon and Mars and then what else is <laughs> Yes, uh, Mars. I'm a big fan of moon, I would say. I'll do the long journey. Yeah. Harry, we really will can go down. Yeah, there. let me know if you need someone to like record the interview on the way up or something like that. Happy, Definitely, yeah. <laughs> happy to do that. It's a long six months journey. You've got to figure something out. You've got to so. pick up a hobby or something like that. So. Yeah. Knowing this audience, and as you said, and I appreciate you listening to the show, and I'm glad you've gotten value from it. You know, these are the folks that are in the industry, your colleagues and your peers. I just want to give you an opportunity. Is there a message that you have for your peers and your colleagues in this space? Yeah, Terry, look, thanks, first of all, getting me on this, because it, it's, I think you created this platform. It's really for people who is in this sector. So I'm do happy to get the opportunity to give, give ask for something. It's basically, if anyone is building any greenhouses or vertical farms, you know, using NFT channels or you're planning on retrofit to increase the revenues, give us a call, you know, just give us a yell and then let's have a chat because to be honest for me, yeah, is, of course it is great for us to get some sales, but I mean, why not use some tech would definitely create some significant increases on your output. So just a train of thought, come to our website, have a look. If you have questions, just send us a quick check through the website and we'll be in touch. Yeah. And so the website is uh, Gaia Project Australia. Dot dot com. Dot au. Dot au. Okay, and we'll be sure we have those. Actually, we have changed okay. because people always say it's way too long. No one can remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and while you look that up. Yes, yeah, so we hopefully change it down the track. But for now, it is kayaprojectaustralia.com.au. Yeah. Okay. And we'll have all the links in the show notes. Any of the resources we mentioned are covered. And then if folks want to get in touch with you or the team, we'll make sure we have those links available as well. So Nadun, I really enjoyed this conversation. Apologies again for showing up late, but it was worth it. Hopefully it was worth it for you because I really uh, just am so fascinated by all the stories that are happening in this field, how they're happening at all different parts of the world and how everyone in each country is tackling their regional problems 
you know, from a different angle. And now, you know, with this added complexity and excitement about working in space, that just makes, you know, the space that much more interesting for everyone. So I really, really appreciate you, all the work you've done with Gaia so far, and your passion really comes through. And I appreciate you sharing your story with my listeners. Thank you, Harry. Thank you again. Amazing time. I think time is always good. Worked out really well. Yeah. I'm really glad to talk to you because I've been listening, being a fan, and talking to you <laughs> on your program. I'm like, oh, this is a great opportunity. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. definitely, hopefully, have chat about another year or so to see the progress and see how everything goes. Yes, so, definitely. Catch get... you from in your part of the world. Yeah, It'd be great to meet you in person. Yeah, but not great. Definitely, thank you for the opportunity. Been amazing. And if you make it to any of the conferences, I'm actually going to Dubai. Thankfully, with my sponsor Cultivated, there's the AgriMe conference in Dubai at the end of this month. Oh, and wow. so I'll be interviewing a couple of the CEOs on site. And we've got a vertical farming podcast booth set up. So we're going to be doing, and I'm speaking on stage for about 20 minutes as well. So it's an amazing. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, of course, we're speaking with Dubai in regards to the Neom project, you know. That, oh, yeah, that, Neom. I, I want to yeah, see. Yeah. yeah. It is something amazing. I'm like, guys, if you're building this, we really need to be inside that system. So we have to connect, make some connections now. So yeah. do mention us, Harry, if you do yes. go there. <laughs> if you know anyone that I should meet there while I'm there, I mean, it's 18 hour flight. For, as If I can take advantage of like connections, if there's anyone in the space that you know, the Neon Project is really interesting and fascinating as well. So I can. There is a university that they deal with. So what I'll oh, do yeah. is I got your email address that you replied me today. So yeah. I'll connect you through with someone there. Yeah. Yeah. I think because it's an amazing project and it's not just design. I think they already start the groundwork. Here, so it's definitely happening. And okay. you know, it would be something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time again, Nadun. Thanks again to Nadun for coming on the show and sharing his story. I appreciate especially folks that are calling in from time zones like Australia, like the UK, like other parts of the world, like India. It's been really humbling for folks to make their time. These leaders of these companies who are very, very busy, and I really appreciate the time that they take. And I want to make sure it's as enjoyable for them. And we've been really connecting and vibing. So it seems that that's happening. And I really appreciate that, but I don't take that for granted. Special thanks to our season six title sponsor, Cultivated. If you are looking into a vertical farm and don't know where to start or which technology would suit your needs, reach out to them today. And best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Learn more at cultivated.com and that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com. Just leave out that last D. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more at fullcast.co. And as a reminder, if you're enjoying this show, please leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. We'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. Tune in next week for another fascinating conversation from the world of vertical farming. And it's with Brandy Keen, co-founder at Cerna. Until we meet again, here's to your health. Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as a full show transcription, visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There, you can sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes are published. Oh,